A quick word from our sponsor, Metalita. Metalita has been my go-to for the last two years, guys. I've been wearing their scrubs, their white coats, their jackets, and they make the best gifts. So if you want to send someone a custom embroidered gift, if they are a hospital worker or a professional, they are going to love these. You can use the discount code BEYONDMEDICINE20 to get 20% off your next purchase. Involving medical records, billing codes, and prior authorizations have gotten more complex. Physicians find they can't survive without joining large healthcare networks, and they're increasingly demoralized. 48% of our present family medicine primary care workforce says they're leaving within the next three years. Doctors feel um, disconnected and burned out. We're seeing that in medicine, it's an epidemic. We gave away our business years ago to businessmen, and they screwed us. So now it's time to take it back. Today, there's a small but growing movement of doctors who are opting out of the traditional healthcare system by no longer accepting insurance. What's up, everybody? I have Dr. Paul Thomas with me, and we are talking about direct primary care. You know, this is a topic I'm pretty passionate about, and Dr. Thomas is as well. He's uh, practicing in Detroit, Michigan, which is my hometown. I'm a big fan of this guy, so uh, I'm going to let Dr. Paul Thomas take it away and give a little introduction about himself. Hey, so thanks so much for having me on, Rami. It's awesome to be on the show. And yep, I'm a family medicine physician. I'm practicing in Detroit, Michigan, and I started my dream practice, which is a direct primary care practice, pretty much straight out of residency. And what we uh, do is a membership model for healthcare, where our members pay $10 a month for kids, and it starts at $49 a month for adults. And with that monthly membership, my members can come and see me anytime they need to, and they can also call, text, or email me anytime. And additionally, we offer wholesale meds, at-cost labs, and at-cost imaging services. So we really try to provide as much value uh, for their healthcare dollar. Awesome. So for people just listening, I'm, they don't really know what direct primary care is. We're going to get into that. But I just want to put into context, what was the reason? So you went right straight from residency into direct primary care. What was the reason you chose to do that? Huh. I just saw the writing on the wall in terms of fee-for-service medicine. So I really loved my attendings, the people who taught me in my residency. But it just seemed like they were spending a lot of time being frustrated about um, prior authorizations or the paperwork that they had to do to get the insurance company to pay for the patient's care. And I realized that the patient wasn't the customer. The insurance company was the customer. Yep. And so a lot of the things that we do in primary care medicine is to justify payment from the insurance company rather than actually taking care of the patient. Right. And right. so what that looks like is we spend almost all of our time typing into the electronic medical record rather than looking into our patient's eyes and talking with them and listening to, to them and comforting them and being the type of doctors that we're trained to be. Uh, we're really just entering information and it's it's not the way medicine is supposed to be. 100% agree with you. Um, so that's been my frustration as well and that's why I'm trying to bring doctors like yourself on here to talk about these things because I really want patients, people, everyday people to know what direct primary care is so they know what their options are and the type of care that they can get. And really kind of, because people are also a little bit, um, you know, skeptical about paying for any type of service, especially for healthcare where they can use their insurance. Um, but there are some th benefits to this and it even ends up saving patients money in the long term because 
you can do things like increase your deductible and uh, different things like that. With with um, we'll get into that, but that's just one yeah, of the things I, I want to talk about. I do want to interject there. I I really try to avoid using healthcare and health insurance interchangeably. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people use those two terms, healthcare and health insurance, interchangeably, and we shouldn't. Yeah, health insurance is this financial tool that we should have to protect us from like a financial bankruptcy in case of an accident, like a heart attack, a stroke, a car accident, cancer, etc. Healthcare is what we provide at Plum Health. We provide that relationship, that ability to listen enough time to answer everyone's questions and, and uh, take care of everyone's concerns in our practice. So um, I see healthcare as more of the routine, everyday uh, health services that you need. And I don't think that those services should be covered by insurance because then you're over-insuring. Yeah. Right. You're, yeah. You're, you're insuring for something that you will need rather right. than insuring for a catastrophe. Agree 100%. And that's the thing with insurance. <clears throat> insurance in every sense except for healthcare or medicine is mm-hmm. used for catastrophes or for sudden events or things like that. But in the in the medical world, it's used as an all-encompassing thing to cover everything, which is just ludicrous number one because no other you know no uh, you know when you get car insurance it doesn't cover your oil change it doesn't cover your maintenance your alignment your your tires it covers for when you get in a huge accident why are we why are we doing this for health insurance where it's supposed to cover your maintenance and everything else it's not that's not the intention or the intent that insurance was created upon so we're all frustrated we're like oh why isn't this working well no wonder it's not working uh, right because we set up the system which essentially inflates the cost of routine care because like right. when you insure routine care it inflates all of the prices exactly right? because you kind of take away that free market aspect of healthcare. Exactly. Exactly. And so, so a lot, so you're not the only doctor I've worked with a lot of doctors who are just have been absolutely fed up with insurance. Mm-hmm. Not all of whom have turned to direct primary care. What they have turned to or what a lot of doctors ended up doing is they ended up having to join large hospital networks right? Because they can no longer afford to maintain their practice or they just can't deal with all the hoops they have to constantly jump through and the paperwork and uh, the pre-authorizations and the things you talked about. And they feel demoralized um, and they don't want to practice medicine anymore because they're just burnt out from the system. Right. So there's this whole other side to medicine that we don't see from a patient perspective, uh, of what a doctor goes through and what it's like to practice with insurance. Um, right. So that's what ended up happening. Now, I think we went from 80% of doctors owning their own private practices 20 years ago to now less than 5%. That was wow. the last statistic that I heard, which is pretty insane. And that just shows like how hospital networks are kind of taking up, uh, you know, private or, you know, just gobbling everything up. Um, yeah consolidating everything exactly so for a patient so let's talk about patients i guess for a second Mm. what would you want them to know about your type of practice and what kind of services or benefits would they have to joining a direct primary care yeah so 
I usually start with what I believe, and I believe that healthcare should be affordable and accessible for everyone. So I truly believe that if you have an income, then you can afford excellent primary care healthcare services, right? And so that's our guiding belief. That's why we do what we do. And in addition, we have certain uh, mission, vision, values. Like our mission is to provide this wonderful healthcare experience in uh, Detroit and Wayne County and Southeast Michigan. And we do draw people regionally. Like I have people driving in from the suburbs 30, 45 minutes away because of the unique offerings in our practice. What we value is the doctor-patient relationship. We really value getting to know our patients, understanding who they are, where they want to go in their healthcare journey, and what's important to them. We also really value price transparency. So we want everyone to know what the prices are so they can make informed decisions about consuming healthcare services. Um, so that's kind of just a snippet of you know our, our what we believe, our core beliefs, and mm-hmm. our mission, vision, values. Mm-hmm. And for those listening who are still maybe a little bit confused on what direct primary care is, can we just give like a quick overview or like an explanation of how it works exactly? Sure. I mean, the the easiest way to describe it and kind of taking a shortcut is to say that direct primary care is like concierge medicine, but affordable for the 99%. I really think of concierge medicine as being like this elite thing for the top three to 5% of income earners. Right. And they something mandate, in Beverly Hills. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then they mandate you to have health insurance coverage as well. In direct primary care, we do an affordable monthly membership. Typically, these memberships are anywhere from $10 to $100 a month. And uh, folks can have insurance or they can be uninsured in most of these direct primary care practices. And as a member, most of the time you can come in without a copay. So in my practice, we don't have any copays. A lot of the procedures are included. And then we get the wholesale meds, at-cost labs, and at-cost imaging services. The uh, concierge medicine movement kind of started in the 2000s. The direct primary care movement started around 2010. Um, And it's when I started my practice about two years ago, there were only about 400 practices who were operating in the direct primary care model. Now there's close to 1,000. And there's a really cool website you can check out called Mm -hmm. dpcmapper.com. And uh, sorry, dpcfrontier.com slash mapper. Okay. I'll add that in the show notes. Yeah, they have a map of all the direct primary care practices across the country. So if you're looking for this type of service or you want to tell a family or, or friend about it, you can have them go to that website. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> so I guess, so what we didn't mention was also the fact that um, dark primary care, you forego insurance completely. So not only do you not have to deal with insurance, the patients don't have to deal with their insurance companies either because they don't need to go through them to get anything approved. Is that correct? Yes, mostly. Okay. So on my side, it, direct primary care is great because I don't have to bill anything to the insurance company. So I just ask my patients to pay me that $49 a month or that $10 a month for kids. Right. And if I do a medica- give a medication, it's just the cost of medication. Let's say you need lysinopril for your blood pressure. It's one cent per pill. 
So then that's 30 cents for your one month supply. Mm -hmm. Now on the patient side, this is where it can get confusing. If you don't have insurance, it's pretty straightforward. There's no insurance company to deal with. Mm -hmm. If you have a PPO plan or a preferred provider organization, mm -hmm. um, you can essentially go to any specialist that you need to. And so uh, direct primary care works really well with folks who have PPO plans. Now, where it gets tricky is if you have an HMO. HMO is a health maintenance organization, and they dictate that you must see your primary care physician that they assign before accessing any referrals or any additional services, mm -hmm. right? So if you selected me as your primary care physician, you may also have to see a insurance-based doctor to get a referral should you need it. So that hmm. is probably one of the biggest downsides is if you have an HMO network or an HMO service, insurance service, mm -hmm. they can really block you from getting any referrals. So I'm going to use myself as, a, as an example. So let's say mm -hmm. I'm looking, I'm a pretty young, healthy, knock on wood person. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, and I pay a good amount for my health insurance every month. And I wanted to come see a doctor who practices direct primary care, who doesn't really take insurance. And I, I'm willing to put that money up front. How can I structure that so that I'm saving money every month while able to see you? Right. So you're a young guy, you'd be in at $49 a month. Mm -hmm. And with that, you get all of your primary care services through me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, an added benefit here is that you can call text and email anytime. And I guarantee a response in a short amount of time within 24 hours for non urgent things and much faster if you call me about something urgent. Mm -hmm. um, so th there's that at the beginning. Now you can structure your insurance plan to be truly catastrophic, where it's covering only like hospital care or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or you can look into backing down on your insurance coverage. Let's say you have a, uh, a gold plan or a silver plan and you back down to a bronze plan. You could get better health care at a lower overall spend for that health care plus health insurance. Right. And then there are some other unique options like there's Liberty, HealthShare, or like Curo, HealthShare, and some like faith-based organizations or libertarian groups or um, let's say UAW, like union groups, set up their own health insurance pools. And so then you can be insured through something like that and then put a direct primary care as an add-on. Right. So uh, some insurance plans I know run up to a $400, $500 a month for yep. an, indi an individual person. And you're charging, let's put that in perspective, you're charging $50 a month. Right. Um, so let's say someone with $400 a month insurance health plan decided they want to go back on their insurance by $100 a month and pay $300 a month. Mm -hmm. So their insurance is probably not that much different with that, you know, with that $100 gap difference. But now they've added you on for another $50 a month, mm -hmm. making their total $350, which ends up saving them still $50 a month. Yep, and or $600 they, a year. Yeah, or $600 a year. And now they're seeing you whenever they want without having to wait for an appointment, without having to uh, be seen by a doctor for only 10 minutes and then given a prescription and told to go home. They actually sure. can spend the 30 minutes with you and go over all of their health problems, all of their health needs, get a comprehensive service exam, and be on their way. And, yep. have, and have your phone number. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of intangible, be- intangible benefits and really we focus on the relationship, you know, having a strong relationship with our patients yes. is of primary importance and it's really uh, crucial to develop that. And that's why we have one hour visits initially and 30 minute appointments for follow-up unless something's complicated or complex or, um, we need more time then we can schedule another one hour visit. I, you know, you can't get that anywhere else. That's right. what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, so how are, so I'm curious, how were you able to make this so affordable? Because I know you're doing a lot of things that, um, other primary DP step primary cares are not yet doing, which is your wholesaling some of your medications or getting them for pretty cheap. Correct. Yeah. So we actually wholesale through a company out of Florida that sells to big box pharmacies that I probably can't name, mm-hmm. but uh, they they sell it to us at the same price as they would sell it to a big box pharmacy. Right. Um, but you have to understand as a consumer when you buy somewhere something at a retail outlet like a retail pharmacy, mm-hmm. you're going to get a retail markup. Yeah. The difference with us is we only make money based on our memberships, mm-hmm. right? You're selling it at cost. Yeah, exactly. So when we get our medications for, you know, a dollar for a month's supply, we're selling them at a dollar and 10 cents. We essentially cover the the cost of bottles, labels, and shipping. I was looking at your websites. Crazy. You have the, like, your blood pressure medications, all these regular, like, the highest medication I saw was $10 for a month's supply, which is amazing. Because you go anywhere else, you're going to pay triple quadruple that right and sometimes we save people on their medications alone the cost of the entire membership per month right so like an older person might be on six or seven medications um you know we can talk about uh polypharmacy another time but like we can essentially get all those medications for like under ten dollars and where they might have been paying 70 or 80 dollars at the pharmacy that's amazing um, so I just want, I had a question from somebody and I wanted to address this. So she's a direct primary care provider in, uh, an area similar to Detroit. And she was wondering, you know, she's obviously fed up with having to deal with insurances, feeling demoralized, like every doctor is, and she's trying to figure out a way where she can practice direct primary care, but is wondering how does this work in low income or undereducated areas? And I thought, you know, you are practicing in Detroit, not the most educated or the most affluent area. How are you able to do that? Sure. So, I mean, it starts with uh, setting your prices at a reasonable rate for your surrounding community Mm -hmm. and trying to meet a market demand. I know there are a ton of people who make too much to qualify for Medicaid, but don't make enough to purchase uh, private insurance plans. And that's the income bracket that really is hurt the most by the insurance system. And they often go out without health care because mm-hmm. there's no way for them to afford or access that sort of care. Yeah. So what I would say to her is, you know, do some market research. Talk to your local librarians. Talk to your local business people. Talk to your local community members, block clubs, um, et cetera, and find out. Is this a price you'd be willing to pay for excellent healthcare services? Mm-hmm. Do you would you value this? Would your community value this? And it starts with relationships. It starts with conversations. 
Um, you could host like meet and greets and see if this is something that your community would embrace. Mm-hmm. And you know, start small, do the beta test, make a website, set your prices. If people are starting to sign up on your website, then look, you got a product, you've got a service, and you could uh, build a business from it. Um, and it's you may have to tinker with your pricing over time, but um, I I personally believe that family physicians bring a tremendous amount of value to their communities. Mm-hmm. And the more of us who get out there and uh, work with the community and set prices that are palatable for everyone, the more everyone wins. Um, doctors have their autonomy, are able to practice the way they want to practice. Communities have a doctor that's um, responsive and understanding and yeah. uh, willing to, to serve. And you're also essentially seeing less people in your practice. So the typical practice right. has any close to 2,000 patients that they would yeah. have to see. And you probably don't need to see that many, which keeps you from getting burned out. Right. Well, yeah, here's the thing. The typical family medicine doctor in the insurance-based system has a panel of 2,500 patients. Mm -hmm. So they'll typically see those patients on average two and a half times a year. And it works out to something like uh, seeing 1% of your panel each working day or 24 visits each day. Mm -hmm. So if you're working eight or nine hours, you're seeing a patient every 20, 22 minutes and charting in the EMR and doing the prior authorizations and all that stuff that slows you down. Yeah. In our model, we cap at 500 patients per physician. So then when I'm seeing 1% of my panel each day, it's about five visits each day. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to spend an hour with each of my five patients, I could. And I'd still have three hours to answer phone calls, uh, write blog posts, uh, send text messages to my patients, and really do like the bread and butter things that, that make a primary care doctor excellent which is you know good follow-up yeah exactly so i'm wondering how many patients would you need for this practice to be sustainable for someone just starting out sure so you know i i started this right out of residency and i graduated from medical school with you know one hundred seventy thousand dollars in debt oh that's like, nothing man i was at that at second year oh geez i'm sorry <laughs> man so yeah out-of-state students pay a lot more in tuition Anyways, that's another topic for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what I'm trying to say is that when I graduated residency, I still had debt. So I started working at urgent care two days a week and one weekday and one weekend day. And what I would do is my other four weekdays, I would spend planning and taking business classes and trying to build out my direct primary care practice. Mm-hmm. And then I launched in November. So about five months after I graduated residency, I started making house calls. I had 10 people signed up. And then in January, I leased out a small office for $600 a month. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, broke even at 100 members, 120 members around October of 2017. How how far after your graduation was that? So that was about, that break-even point was about a year and four months. Wow. And so I worked at the urgent care for about that time, two yeah. days a week, and then four days a week at Plum Health, and then I take you know Saturday or Sunday off. Um, and then you know to to start paying myself like a doctor's salary, you know you get around 350, 400 patients. Mm-hmm. The really exciting thing is when you grow this model larger, bring on partners, and really scale it. Mm-hmm. Doctors, you know, will do really well financially. Yeah. And uh, patients will have the benefit of having a 
you know, low, low cost service that they can access. I got to say, first of all, I have so much respect for you because to go out and do that, honestly, it's like so much respect because to go out and do that right, right after residency, when you're Mm -hmm. being offered big bucks and, you know, to believe in what you want to do and how you want to practice and to go out and actually do that, even you weren't making money for the first year and four months. Yeah, I mean, so I was, you were yeah, making a small amount of money through an urgent care, working two days a week. You know, it was enough yeah. to pay my student loan bills and yeah. you know pay my mortgage. And but honestly, so much respect for yeah. you, especially going out and doing that and going after for what you believe in. And now you're providing amazing service for people in Southwest Detroit. Um, Thank you, man. Yeah, I, I, I will say that you know part of this passion is that I have for medicine, I, I feel like I would have burned out really quickly had I signed the contract with the large healthcare system, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, the large hospitals of the world. Yeah. And I feel like I would have been beating my head against the wall, trying to rush through patients and do prior authorizations. I never would have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have never been happy and it w- I would have burned out pretty quickly. I will say one thing about the term burnout. I feel like it, <laughs> places an unfair burden on the physician. Absolutely. I just had a conversation about this with a psychiatrist two days yep. ago with Dr. Vanilla. If you listen to it, it's the exact same response. I agree. Yeah. And it, I feel like it's more of a power failure, a system failure, like a grid failure yes. in, in the term, in the electrical world. Yes. And I think we really need to rework our systems of care. And I feel like direct primary care is part of that solution. I agree hundred percent. I'll share something with you, just me, uh, you know, going through medical school, I was working with physicians in um, outpatient clinics, uh, family practices, and I was really demoralized because my dream of becoming a doctor was getting, uh, it was not what I, what I had envisioned when I originally went to medical school because my uncle, who's a dentist, had a private practice, he had a cool fish tank in the in the huh. sitting room and I was always inspired by that I always thought wow I want to have my own practice like this one day and I want to be able to care for my own community and for my patients and I want mm-hmm. to provide like this beautiful setting and like have like the most amazing service and I want people to be really happy when they come to see me and that mm-hmm. was like my idea and that was what drove me to go to med school because I had that idea in my head of how I wanted to practice and all of a sudden I'm in medical school and I'm just seeing doctors burnt out just so annoyed with and fed up with insurance and i'm like this is not what i envisioned when i was eight years old <laughs> right you know uh, Hopefully, man. and that's yeah. that's a real shame it's like you it's really hard to provide good customer service in the insurance-based system because yeah. there's so many factors like you're double booking often because you're trying to accommodate no shows right and when both people show up somebody's got to wait half an hour or an right. hour to be seen and it's exactly it's a mess man Exactly. Yeah. So what my trans, so what kind of motivated me, because I really wanted to like quit medicine after my third year. Oh, wow, man. Because I was just demoralized. I was like, what am I going to do with my life? How do I don't want to practice like this. And I did reach a point where I thought like, okay, I do have options. There is direct because I started searching online. I was like, what other things can I do with a medical degree or how can I practice differently? So I saw like concierge medicine, started learning about that. I forgot what website it was that I stumbled across. It was So I started learning about concierge. I learned about direct primary care. I learned about all these other models of medicine that physicians are now working with. 
And I literally, I, I remember this day because I was on Google and I just lit up like a Christmas tree. I was like, what? This is amazing. I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I was really encouraged by that. And that's kind of where I, I started to gain hope again for medicine because I knew I, I, I promised myself two things because I reached a point where I was like, I'm either done or I'm going to make sure I make a commitment to myself where I'm never going to be employed and I'm never going to, yeah. I'm never going to work for, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be my own boss. I'm never going to be employed and I'm never going to accept insurance and have to deal with that. Those are my three rules. If I stick with those, I'll be okay. Uh, but like, those are my non-negotiables going forward from here. And so that was kind of my commitment to myself. And it's kind of kept me from being cynical and being burned out. <laughs> totally, man. You got to set those high standards for yourself, those goals for yourself. I, uh, had like a similar thing and I just wrote it down. Um, very similar. Uh, and I have it on the back of my badge when I was employed during residency. Yeah. And I would just look at it every day and just remind myself of that goal. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. I have so, I'm so happy I got to connect with you. Thank you. Likewise, man. Thank you so much. Um, so I want to ask you a few more questions. What is your, so what have your patients been experienced? So how have your patients benefited from this just starting out? Like what kind of results have you been seeing? Are they getting better care now? Um, what kind of, you know, what kind of feedback have you been getting from patients? Yeah. So we have a lot of diverse needs that we see in the clinic and some things it's as simple as I have an ingrown toenail and it's really painful and I would love to see you now. And when I text them, sounds perfect, see you in 15 minutes, or can you be here in a half hour, right? That really makes a difference for somebody who's in pain. Mm -hmm. They have a great primary care doctor and me, and then they don't need to go to an urgent care, right? So like, mm -hmm. just a simple thing of being available is really powerful for my patients. The next thing is, you know, I, I had a young lady who had herpes, and she went to the pharmacy to try to fill her Valtrex, and they tried to charge her $200 because she didn't have insurance. Right. Right. And so she came to my office, and a six tablets or uh, enough for one outbreak of herpes is like a dollar and 38 cents. What? And they were charging, they wanted to charge her $200. Yeah. So th I think they wanted to charge her 200 for 30 tablets, um, 30 tablets in her office. I think they're like, 25 or 35 cents a pill so my math isn't that great but i think that's around <laughs> like three or four or five dollars something like that wow you you kind of get the idea that they were way overcharging on this medication so mm -hmm. she signed up for our service and when she got the medication she like teared up and cried in her office because it's embarrassing it's stigmatized mm -hmm. um it's hard to go to a pharmacist and say i have you know genital herpes and i need Valtrex and then yeah. to it's even harder to not be able to afford that and walk away empty-handed mm -hmm. so I think this is where the service becomes really powerful wow. um, in terms of like doing simple things like we do biopsies so if you have a lesion we just found a boy bonoid cancer so like it's a form of skin cancer for one of our patients and the biopsy is free for me to perform and it's about $70 for the pathologist to read it mm -hmm. so like that makes a big difference. A lot of people are walking around with skin lesions mm -hmm. and because they're scared about how much it's going to cost if they go to the insurance system, mm -hmm. they're scared to get it taken care of. And when they ask me about it, they know, okay, it's just 70 bucks mm -hmm. and I'll have my answer. You know, those are the ways I'm having an impact. 
And then just serving a community that hasn't had a primary care physician uh, at a community-facing street level mm-hmm. is really powerful. I get people walking in all the time and wanting to know about the service and signing up for the service that way. Hmm. So I'm wondering, uh, so Detroit has a good amount of uninsured patients. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say the percentage is over there? So I know that the percentage of Medicaid-eligible people in Detroit is over 50%. Okay. Right? And a lot of them and, still even without even are without Medicaid. Um, yeah, so a lot of people either just don't have the literacy or like functional literacy to sign up for Medicaid mm-hmm. and to be able to understand how that process works or, you know, don't want to be on government assistance, right? Because right. they're proud mm-hmm. and would rather pay for something like this. And I have folks who are Medicaid eligible who are enrolled in Medicaid who sign up for my service because mm-hmm. they want the relationship and the time with the doctor right. and the clean environment and then the excellent service that comes along with being a member. What about for outpatient referrals? So if you need to get a consult with a GI or cardiology or if you need to get an MRI or something like that, how does that work? Do you have connections with these people? And how did you kind of maneuver that or set sure. that up? So this is going to be like a three-part answer. I'll tackle imaging first. Okay. But um, MRIs, you mentioned that. So if you want an MRI of your brain, it could be $300 if you don't need contrast or $600 if you do need contrast. Your insurance wow, company. That's really good also, like for if you don't know, the average cost right. of an MRI is like $3,000 or something. Exactly. So your insurance company might bill that as $3,000 or $5,000, you mm-hmm. know, without and with contrast. A chest x-ray is $32, right? And your insurance might bill that for 200 bucks or something like that. So we contract with the third-party imaging center, and they just go up the street to the imaging center, and the radiologist reads this, reads it, and faxes us the report. So that imaging is covered. Now, in terms of consults, I have an e-consult platform called Rubicon. Mm -hmm. So let's say you have a rash or you have a weird murmur or you have a digestive issue that I'm not quite sure about. I can write up a consult to the dermatologist or cardiologist or GI doctor Mm -hmm. and send that off to them through this e-platform called Rubicon and get an answer within 4 to 12 hours, sometimes 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they can help either validate my thinking or say, you should also test for this or look into this. Mm-hmm. And it really helps, especially my uninsured patients, get that next level of care that's on this, the edge of my scope of practice. Mm-hmm. And then the final piece of that is like getting in-person referrals. So um, I'll sometimes call the local dermatologist and say, hey, what's your cash price for or a uh, dermoscopy or the cardiologist, what's your cash price for an echocardiogram or a stress EKG? Mm-hmm. And the stress EKG is $99 and the echocardiogram is $200. And I just write the script for my patient. They get it done. They get it interpreted and then they send me the results. So okay. there are a bunch of different ways to navigate this. Okay. And so th- these are still, those are out of pocket costs that the patient will have to cover on their own, correct? Yep. The imaging center and the in-person referrals the e-consults are part of the service part of the service okay Mm -hmm. and so i'm wondering if there is room in the future where direct primary care can kind of create more uh relationships with these providers maybe either locally or just kind of become like a more uh scaled thing where uh you know we can have the relationships within the practice 
like already sure. set up? I think what's going to happen or what hopefully would happen is enough people engage in these direct primary care services where there's a demand for free market medicine mm -hmm. and cardiologists and GI doctors start listing their prices for echoes and colonoscopies <clears throat> and dermatologists list their prices for punch biopsies and things like that. Mm -hmm. So then as a consumer, you can go outside the insurance system and say, I would like to pay cash for the colonoscopy because right. you listed that $1,000 and that's the best price that I can mm -hmm. find. Here's an idea that like I'm just going off of this. So what if... Would this work if you were to bring in, let's say you knew a cardiologist and you said, hey, I want to bring you into my, onto my practice, uh, you know, as a consultant. So like if I need you or if I need to send a patient to you and for each patient, I'll give you like, let's say X amount, part of my membership fee, like five, we'll add $5 a month. And over the, over the total amount of 500 patients, you know, maybe they would also have like a side direct primary care through you. Do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah, I just don't. <laughs> it might work. I don't think that's the ideal way of doing it. I okay. think consultants are consultants because you ideally consult them one or two times and you get your answer. Yeah. And then you as the primary care physician take over and manage the medications. And if something changes, then you can send another consult to them. Right. Um, and I think that the, ideally, they would just set a price that's palatable for the community and be responsive in that way. Okay. It's just an idea I was throwing out there. <laughs> no, I, I love when people are thinking differently about how we pay for healthcare and how we right. engage in these different complex systems. Yeah. Here's my, here's my belief on this. I just believe that doctors have way more power than they actually think that they do. Um, and we're, I don't know why we're getting bullied so bad. And it's because, right. <laughs> it's because nobody is actually realizing that, Hey, we hold a lot of power. Well, number one, here's the thing. We don't, there's no such thing as a doctor's union or, uh, you know, other unions that other organizations have. So if you, the nurses union is powerful. They get what they want when they want it. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I guess we have the yeah. AMA, but oh, yeah, there's, <laughs> I mean, there is a ton of fragmentation yeah. in the medical community. Yeah. And, you know, the direct primary care movement has built a direct primary care alliance, is what is called DPC Alliance, to try yeah. to advocate for our specific needs. Mm -hmm. But there's just so many <clears throat> different guilds and groups within medicine that there's no one clear voice, mm -hmm. like, for example, with the nurses' union, yeah. because those job descriptions are similar across the board. Right, right, true. Um, so how can we get more patients involved in direct primary care? Well, I think, you know, having this sort of conversation is awesome because it helps people understand more of the nuances of of what direct primary care medicine is. So this is super valuable. So mm -hmm. thank you for doing this. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, thank you. Honestly, you're the one bringing the value here. Oh, thanks. And then another way is just getting folks involved in understanding the inflation in the healthcare system. So like just understanding how their insurance works. So helping people be more informed consumers, mm -hmm. right? And, and there isn't really a great mechanism for that right now because uh, medical billing is intentionally convoluted and confusing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to, I like to ask my guests every time we speak, what going beyond medicine means to them and you're clearly doing that by with this direct primary care movement that you have. 
Um, so what is it really, when you hear the word beyond medicine, what does that mean to you? How do you interpret that? Man, that's a tough question, but... <laughs> I like going, to throw my guests off. <laughs> going beyond medicine for me is, I, you know, I hate to go back to this, but it is going to that human relationship. I think too often we see patients in the medical world as a disease or as a clinical entity and put them into a box, but we need to do a better job as physicians understanding the patient's story, their narrative, who they are what their relationships are like, and working with them in the context of that and addressing their diseases, conditions, concerns within that greater context. Beautiful. For me, that's going beyond medicine. That's beautiful. You've been preparing for that for weeks, don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I got I to gotta say thank you to you because I just reached out to you yesterday and uh, you know you're kind enough to come on here with me on short notice, so I really appreciate that. And it kind of it's just, it's weird how these things work because I learned about you through a friend a while ago, and I was super interested in what you were doing. And I was like, oh yeah, I want to get this guy. To, I want to talk with him at some point because he's doing something really cool. And I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, and I want to kind of let people, in case anyone's in the metro Detroit area, how can they connect with you and? How can they either become part of your practice, where they go to, where can I direct my, our, our listeners? Yeah, so uh, easiest way to reach out to me is send me a text, 313-444-5630. It's my celly. Wow, okay, uh, so you're, if you get some spam through this, <laughs> I apologize. No worries, man. Okay. And then um, you can also find us on online or on Instagram or on Twitter. We're at uh, plumhealthdpc.com, and that DPC is for direct primary care. And so we're on uh, facebook.com slash plumhealthdpc. So you're okay. also coming out with a book, is that correct? Yeah, so I wrote a book about direct primary care, and it's called uh, Direct Primary Care, The Cure for a Broken Healthcare System. And I really take a deep dive into what direct primary care is, what it is not, and how I see it shaping our future of healthcare in the United States. Awesome. Where can we, when does this book come out and where can we get it? So I'm looking to launch it in early September. We haven't set a release date yet. I'm just tidying up the last few details and it should be out pretty shortly. Awesome. And I'll have all of that linked in my show notes. So you can just click on the show notes and you'll see all of that linked in there. And we'll link your phone number too. So <laughs> you, yeah. can get, you can get calls at 2 a.m. Huh. <laughs> Bring it on, folks. You know, I, I really do pride myself on being accessible and and responsive to people who, who need it. So if you genuinely need help with something and if I can help you with it, I'm happy to help. That's awesome, man. I have so much respect for you. Thank you so much. We're going to talk again soon, I hope. Yeah, definitely, man. Let's, uh, let's link up. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Dr. Thomas. You're welcome. Hey, podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope we brought you some practical, good advice that you can apply to your life. Guys, if you could please do us the favor of sharing this, telling people about it, leaving us a comment, subscribing, all that will help us grow and will help us spread our message. Also, if you'd like to support our podcast, you can go to our website and click support and it will help us grow this podcast and continue doing what we are doing and bringing you more high quality guests like the one you just heard. Thank you guys. Peace.